Let's -a go, says uh, Tomb King Tristan. So we know the chat gang is here. I am Mephisto, the host of Rantcast. This is episode 34. You are chat gang. Welcome, everybody. I've got two legends from down under joining me tonight to recap uh, CanCon 2020. On, the le on my left, I've got Anthony Magro, the AOS coach. Say hello. G'day, mate. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you guys didn't know who I am. If you don't, uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Right. And <laughs> and uh, and rock in the middle, keeping us strong here in the middle, is Clint from uh, Heralds of War and uh, the TO of CanCon itself. You say hello. How's it going? How's it going? All right. All right, man. So, whoo, CanCon 2020. Uh, the biggest one yet, right? I, I get... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, definitely the biggest one. <laughs> definitely, he's like he's still like, oh, uh, still don't. Uh, <laughs> um, it could be bigger. It could be much bigger. But Clint is holding the Australian community back from uh, Warhammer goodness. Is that what is, is that what's going on? Is that what's going yeah, on? Look, yeah. uh, leading into CanCon twenty twenty, uh, there was a hashtag that was trending called Make It Three Hundred, and uh, and I'm not going to spoil it for Clint, but uh, he refuses to to listen to the demands of the community. The shade of the gates. This is yeah. Well, when we actually hit the player cap that we have, then maybe I think I'll uh, think about extending it. But you know, people have other things to do. So we so did sell out like in twelve hours. So so how many yeah. did you have actually attending uh, CanCon twenty twenty this year? Uh, two. It was two seventeen, and then so we obviously had a, a Gumby player. Right, right, right. Well, yep. drop at the last minute or whatever. Um, yeah. But you did you did sell up basically within twelve hours and then just a drop mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. We we broke the we broke the ticketing server within about ten minutes. Um and then it worked intermittently for the next five hours. Um and then sort of when yeah, it was all sold out by lunchtime the next day. Because they went on sale at midnight for some reason. That's just when the convention put them up. Mm, right. And and when we when we blew up the ticket sales at like quarter past 12 in the morning uh surprise the century no one wanted to help so uh lo and behold uh that's that's why it took, it took us 12 hours to sell out and really it probably would have taken us like two right mm. right right i mean if it wasn't for the spotty and you, you had like a a huge international draw to cancon obviously I, I know that uh uh one of the gentlemen from rage of uh, rage of sigmar had a massive televised uh like showdown of the century i'm told perhaps of the, in the entire universe uh go down there and, and he uh grudged one of your boys uh down there for that yeah. so that was that was pretty funny um just watching that all play out on twitter from my perspective um so yeah two uh you know two uh 217 that's not it's not too bad that's the biggest in the world isn't it uh yeah biggest ios singles event in the world yeah wow 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 so I've never, I've never personally been to CanCon, but it's kind of become like my main, my main aspiration these next few years is to, is to start, uh, you know, hoarding some, some, uh, some nuts, uh, saving up for it. Uh, I plan to hopefully make it down there. Probably going to be like a three year timeline for me. Uh, I know, I know. I can see the disappointment in your face there, Clint. <laughs> and Magro. <laughs> Man. it's uh, cool i i get it like we're a long way away from other things like uh, yeah just you, talking to people you know and they're like, i'd really love to come but it's you know 30 hours on a plane yeah i get that yeah no i mean honestly that's i mean 
for uh, from my perspective, like once you're once I'm flying to a country, it might as well be any country. You know, like once I've put in the effort of getting a passport to like leave the states, like time is just time. Like I don't, you know, I get a, I get enough. I'm fortunate to get enough vacation time personally to where I could just like if I'm gonna make it a point to make it out of the country, I'm gonna dump vacation time mm. on it. You know, um, I know not everybody sits in that boat. Uh, you know, from there the logistical thing is like family and making sure that I'm not, uh, you know, in, in setting something up like this that I'm not, uh, you know dipping into family funds it's going it's coming out of the play money and that's where the 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 obstacle is for me personally uh and i like a fool decided to buy a house this year so so uh i could have went to like so many can cons if i didn't do that <laughs> I, I i feel like um i feel like you made the right choice for your family though so, you think ah you know i don't know i don't know well it's hard to paint warhammer and cardboard box on the side of the road mate when you get kicked out so make it to CanCon one day but no like watching it watching it from afar hey Maroc wolf hey hey kyle like everyone's kind of filtering in here now we're getting all chat gang now um no I, i've actually like i i've noticed just kind of like from from like just bantering with with folks like i feel like i have a like that the age of sigmar community in australia really strikes that that balance between being sort of hard-nosed competition where you're going to get people who really know their lists but you're also going to have a great time with, with just like awesome people. And I mean, it doesn't seem like this, you know, there's some banter, there's some shade, uh, but like, it doesn't seem like it's like, like it's, it's not in good fun ever, you know? Um, and that's just my read on it. Could you, um, I guess what, what makes, Oh, go ahead. You seem like you got a point there. I was just going to agree with you, um, that we, we get a really good mix, um, in the scene overall, not just at CanCon, so right 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 no I, I just like so I, like i said i've admired from afar and it's just like man if i'm gonna go out of the country this is the one i'm gonna make so so you don't have to sell me too hard but but just like what's your elevator pitch for people hey come to cancon type thing or come, come you know uh thanks um <laughs> so come play games of warhammer with awesome people in a converted aircraft hangar on on in the upside down the largest event in the world <laughs> pretty uh pretty easy so man what's, what's going on coach what's going through your head <laughs> that's horrible that was horrible, that was horrible. You, i'm not you a like, sales guy i'm not a sales guy right like and that's and that's why i was watching with intent to see how you would pitch uh camera. how i would squirm yeah thanks man yeah, I, I would i wouldn't buy i wouldn't buy okay, I, uh, I'd, okay. Stay, I'd stay at home how would how would you sell it coach well First off, you need to appreciate when CanCon is happening. So CanCon is happening in the Australian summer. So it's beautiful 30 to 40 degree weather or in American terms at about 90 to 100 degrees. So uh, being on the east coast of Australia, you've got plenty of beaches to, to bring your family and your children to, uh, to hang about, come to Sydney, come to Brisbane, uh, lots of cool stuff happening during the summer period. Um, leave your kids and leave your wife in Sydney if you prefer and come down for three days of amazing Warhammer where we have a big party barbecue that happens the night before. You get to play five to six rounds of Warhammer as well as uh, a whole range of other great things um, from all around the world. Uh, people are coming to CanCon. And then you come back to, to Sydney, see your family, see your friends, and uh, just have a great time in the Australian weather. Oh, there you go. See, I, I think that, that 
So it's pretty appealing. Vacation and, and gaming, right? And um... I, I, th I think that's the key. I think uh, for anyone who's international listening to coming to CanCon, it is a perfect time to come and have a holiday. So don't just come for three days. Don't come for four days. You can really make some time. Um, it, it is only a short drive out of Sydney. It's about two to three hours drive. Uh, but you've got a whole range of wonderful cities uh, that are, are merely an hour's um, flight. Um, and our flights are relatively inexpensive as well. So you could fly to Brisbane, you could fly to Melbourne, um, and all of those wonderful places have their own culture and their things to do. So um, Warhammer is obviously one thing, but um, you could easily make a wonderful holiday out of it. Yeah, Milwaukee to from Milwaukee to most of the Midwest tournaments that which tend to happen around the Chicago's mm -hmm. area, it's about two hour drive. So that 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 shot from Sydney to uh, to work hand it's, it's almost no traffic it's country roads you get to see some wonderful little uh, little um towns uh, i was in the car with vince ventrella this year so you know we got to see some um some wildlife we got to kind of hang out some country towns and eat some wonderful food so um it is a scenic drive as much as it's not you're not in traffic for three hours well if you need if you need help selling the selling the wife or or, or significant other uh, australia actually has like a fantastic wine scene i know from from being a, a little bit of a wino myself like uh, some really good because they have some some arid climates if you don't know anything about venting or making good wine essentially the best wine is made by punishing the grape as much as you can and uh the apparently australia has some pretty punishing like uh uh, uh you know like does uh some arid fields and stuff like that where they could make some really good grapes and this is where of course like australia has their own their own vintage of wine uh, that they kind of came up with down in Australia that's really, really tasty. And I think there's some wine fests that happen around that same time period, too. We have great wine. We have great food. We have great coffee. Um, we have lots of um, lots and lots of cool things. So um, one of those things that I would say, uh, ask for forgiveness, not permission, and just book your trip to CanCon today. <laughs> CanCon. Got it. All right. I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead. Would you would, go ahead? No, I was just going to say, Clint, how much commission do I get out of this, by the way? <laughs> Not a thing. Not a thing. So, so, I mean, that does that does lead it to to a decent question. Throwing on, uh, throwing, you know, together a two hundred seventy person event, or sorry, two hundred seventeen person event, that probably takes takes uh, a lot of a lot of time from you, Clint. A lot of preparation. No, no, maybe That's a few, maybe maybe a few extra hands, uh, maybe a few extra hands or a little help from the community. Uh, you, you can or talk to a little, a little bit about that. Like, what goes into to, to prepping CanCon for you? Uh, my sanity, uh, mainly. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm lucky. Uh, so CanCon, so I run the AOS part of CanCon. It happens as part of a convention. Um, and so there's obviously other games and things like that, but there's an overarching structure there that deals with a bit of the logistics for me, which is very helpful. Because okay. uh, I live about 14 hours away from where, uh, 14 hours driveway from where CanCon is, mm -hmm. uh, I'm in a completely different state, so that always makes organising stuff interesting. Um, but around now uh, is when I start planning for next year's uh, event, and um, it's just really trying to make sure that we can. We created an event that gets the, the most amount of players across all of our different sort of uh, hobby and paint and narrative and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So we start working on that, on those on those thoughts now. And then as we get closer, obviously, um, this past year, 
I decided that I didn't want to borrow terrain from anyone. So uh, painted up um, probably about 400, 500 pieces of terrain. All the uh, other some which was right. <laughs> yeah, uh, not all of them. Um, so I quite, we got a, a bit of support from Games Workshop for this year's event mm-hmm. for the first time, which is really awesome. Um, so lots of terrain prep, uh, lots of planning, lots of spreadsheets, trying to make sure you know um, that we we can stretch uh, the the dollar as far as we can and give as much back to players as prizes or freebies or whatever. Yeah, so it's 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 a lot of planning. I, I spend lots of my lunch hours with at, at my desk at work with Excel open, trying to make sure that this is going to get made or this is going to be done and this is going to, you know, um, try and uh, organize all these things to to happen so that they arrive at Canberra at the right time. Right on, and I know I know from talking to uh, uh, Coach a little bit about uh, about his his tournament Sydney GT that he actually like does the table. He'll actually like map out the table layouts. Do you do anything like that too to make sure that you can fit all these people in that that hangar? Or do you just? Uh, no, because they are well. They that's part of what the convention does, okay, which is so really quite helpful. Right, right. The right. convention the convention provides the like a like a fold up table. And a six by four blank MDF per per like per thing, and what's really been good is we when we started at CanCon a few years ago we were forty odd people, and we just kind of turned up and did what we were told and whatever. Mm-hmm. But as we're sort of grown and we're now the biggest event in the convention, you know wow. they say you know we sold we sold out and they're like okay well where did you want to be this year? You know, where did you guys want to be in the hangar, like in the halls this year? And we're like, yeah, well, we'll take this block, you know, so they have all the tables set out into blocks to make organization easier. We're just like, yeah, we'll have this whole one over here mm-hmm. in the corner. That's fine. That's us. Um, so that's kind of useful, um, not having to worry about all that MDF. But then we have table tops that we put then on that, and that's okay. our, yeah. Right on. So... Hmm. So you, you as as the event's grown, you've essentially gained more agency over it because you've you've become like the hot ticket, right? Like you've become the one of the, the big events at this this larger convention. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah, we we've gone from yeah being told what we can do to asking and getting our way most of the time. <laughs> it's actually funny. I'll, I'll share a story. Um, so CanCon this year, so so prior to the ticket releases um, happening for CanCon, so as Clint alluded to, it is a multi-system event. So you have um, Ninth Age, you have um, uh, 40K, you have Bolt Action, you have Bushido. There's a whole range of different games that play at this convention, kind of like an Adepticon, but not in a hotel. Anyway, um, there's usually a lead-up time where we know that tickets are going to come up on sale about 30 days from now. And, you know, different communities where 40K um, and people were saying, guys, Sigma sold out really quickly last year. We need to get our asses into gear and buy tickets straight away. And everyone, like, rallied the troops, like, yeah, we're going to beat Sigma. We're going to crush Sigma. Didn't happen. Uh, 40K, I think, had sold 50 tickets uh, by the time we had sold out 200. And the story that I wanted to share was that right after that, you had all of these people jumping onto the organizers of CanCon overall, the organizers, and basically said, don't give Sigma any tickets. We're not going to have any tickets left. We're never going to get to play. And there was a massive freak out until Clint jumped in and said, guys, we're staying at the number. We're staying. Chill out. 
Um, <laughs> because people were seriously concerned that Sigma was going to be 500 players at the rate of, of ticket sales in that first 12 hours. I know, I know Clint's saying no, but players <laughs> from opposing systems were freaking out that because we sold 200 tickets in 12 hours, that it would basically be Age of Sigma featuring CanCon. <laughs> I actually think that's that's fantastic. Um, to that end, why do you think like Age of Sigmar has taken off so thoroughly in 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 the in the underdark in the upside down there? As a as a whole, yeah, yeah. Like just, I mean, just my read is like I don't see a ton of forty k posts coming coming from Australia. It could just be because I pruned my feed specifically, but um, but yeah, like why why do you think uh, you you see like Age of Sigmar just really taking hold down there? Uh, it's a great system and I think lots of people put work in uh, very early on to make sure that the community was as welcoming as it could be because, um, you know, at the start it was the, the people who played Sigma versus the rest of the world kind of thing. You know, we had this system um, that people didn't, maybe didn't like or whatever and, that, you know, uh, I've heard discussions, you know, the faithful you know the people who played it, and then but you also had the, these these folks who were curious about whatever, and and so the scene was super welcoming, and to in in order to make sure that it kept growing, mm-hmm. and so we have that good that great vibe, which then means that more people join, and then but they tend to join for the right sort of reasons, you know, to have fun and you know that kind of thing, and then that and as a whole people see their friends playing sigma and having a great time and then and then so it grows and grows and grows and grows um yeah and and i think the australian community just has has a really good attitude towards the game which means that it's it's much easier for people to join and play and feel accepted like um cancon is the first tournament for so many people um there's like it's a, it's a, a fair percentage. Magro will know because he's done the stats. Um, but you know they pick that as their first tournament, and they come along and they have a great time. And and you know at the end of it they come and say that was awesome. I'm going to play in more tournaments. And you go well. Here's the list of stuff. You know pick some that are close to you, and and off you go kind of thing. So um, so it's this really great like it, ambassador ambassador event for the for the Age of Sigmar community. Is CanCon essentially takes that. Do do you know Magro the uh... The numbers on that, on like how many new players or you had at 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 CanCon, or uh, yeah, I do actually. Um, so uh, in in the lead up to CanCon, um, Clint was very kind enough to allow me to do the list review show. So Clint, myself, and Liam um, Liam Shadowhammer, we did the list review show, and um, as a part of that, I had sent out a personal survey um, to to the community to us basically. Listed, you know, I wanted to know about them, where they're coming from, what their experience levels were, um, how how often had they come to CanCon. You know, I really wanted to get a good understanding of, of who was attending. So, so one of the one of the famous coach surveys went out. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was a survey. Hey. All right, all right. Listen, listen, listen. I, I, look for for me for me it was really interesting because um, we had never done anything like this, and um, even finding out simple things like what were the most dominant gaming clubs that were going to be in attendance? And um, I, I think for us, that's something that we can look at our our communities moving forward on how we can grow the rest of the scene. But two of the interesting data points that I, I found out was that 
12% of our player base that was attending Clan CanCon had been playing Age of Sigma less than 12 months. Um, another 11% had only been playing for a year or, or, or just over a year. But the bulk of our player base was really coming in between the, the years two to year three and then 40% for year four. So um, as, as Clint has mentioned, CanCon started uh, the first CanCon Age of Sigma finished on 40, 48 kind of players in attendance. 47, yeah. 47 in attendance. It then grew to 110 purchased. I don't know how, how many actually ended on the second one. 47, 104, 196, 217. Until Clint stopped us from growing and you know put his hard foot down at 240, we were basically doubling every year. And I think if I think about one of the key aspects of selling and using refer a friend, if you just refer one friend to a product or an event, you've doubled in size. And that's essentially what's happening. Yeah. The, the, the 55 players of that 47 that came to CanCon number one had such an amazing time that they told their friends. And then that second year, if they brought one friend from their games club or their community or the FLGS, we're at 110 players. Um, and then the other call out I would make is that 42% of the players that came to CanCon uh, for Age of Sigma said that this is their first experience to CanCon. So, um, so what I was talking, I was talking to some people in the past and, you know, we joked about games workshops, new year, new army concept. And it's funny because CanCon is our new year, new army. A lot of people start preparing for CanCon to kick off their first tournament season, uh, and then new year with a new army. So January 1st is not when we start new armies. We start in June, July, August, thinking about what we're going to run at CanCon. And then that is our, we're going to run our, our Cities of Sigma or our Gloom Spike Gits from that year on. So that, that's, so just a real quick uh, recap. About half the people at CanCon this year, this was their first CanCon experience. And about a quarter of them overall, this was their first AOS tournament experience. When you, yeah, when you just find those, quarter. when you, 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 yeah, it was like 23%, I think is what it, what it came in at. Like yeah. that's, that's a huge chunk of like, of like sort of new blood in, injected into, into the tournament, uh, you know, CanCon itself and the scene, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and speaking of telling one friend about something, you should tell your friends about rain. No, um, <laughs> no. So that's actually really cool. And this, this new year, new army thing that, that GW pushes for, um, you know, uh, pushes sort of from like the ground up, like, Hey, build a new army. It's nice to have a tent pole event to drive towards. Um, you know, for mm. me, my bone reapers wouldn't be done right now if it weren't for Wapaka happening. And, you know, that's a regional local thing for me. Uh, but like any picking that, that big, awesome tournament, that's just a, already kind of a good, uh, sort of an ambassador for the scene and going, I'm going to go to that. That's going to help you. Uh, sort of self-motivate and get and, and accomplish those goals. I think it's really nice to have specific goals in mind when you say, I'm going to start an army, right? Yeah. The the road to CanCon army projects is a real thing. I think like people, as, as Anthony said, you know, people are starting July, August to think about what they're taking to CanCon basically because the, the, um, the general's handbook's out. They can go, right, well, I want to plan on something such an army and off they go. And so some people have been working on their army since that time, right. you know, all the six months leading up to it. And some people go, ah, crap, CanCon's in two months. I best go. <laughs> right. Gotta <laughs> kick go it in do something. Habit. 
got to kick it into high yeah. gear here. Um, so, uh, chat gang's alive here. I actually want to double back to something. Uh, one of the uh, one of the members of chat gang here said, which is uh, distracted. Uh, uh, sat. Uh, I think it's sat rap. Um, he said that like the sort of like the grassroots drive of the content creators in in Australia uh, has been a big contributing factor to uh, you know the growth and the and the the sort of uh, approach to the scene. I think you it was your words, Clint, where you said like people are playing for the right reasons or they were getting into Age of Sigmar for the right reasons. And mm-hmm. I think it was a chat gang here alluding to sort of like the content creators. And I can, as a dirty American, the first like the first content I I, I watched was like AOS Coach and and Doom and Darkness. And I I, I think that that. Do you think I guess content creators play a role in in sort of driving interest towards CanCon or or into your, into your tournament scene in Australia? I, I think certainly that, it certainly plays a huge and factor. Heralds of fact War also put, like your own podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. We we were the first dedicated AOS podcast coming out of Australia. Right. But it's okay. You can talk about Coach all you want. <laughs> um, poor Doom. Poor Doom gets relegated to second place there. Um, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. If you're not, if you're not first, I can just see Anthony's. <laughs> I could just see Anthony's face. Uh, oh, I was so just thinking it, Kately. Go on, please. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like pre- there are so many uh, Australian content creators, whether whether they're sort of internationally recognized, listened to or not. But it feels like every every sort of region in Australia has uh, a content creator at minimum. Some of us, so I live in a town of 120,000 people and we have two mm-hmm. podcasts that come out of, uh, so myself and the failed charge, um, who also do streaming and things like that. So, um, you know, there's content creators all over Australia and we all offer something slightly different, mm-hmm. but the end result is we're all playing AOS. We all love AOS and we're all trying to help more people enjoy the game. Mm-hmm and and bring them into these things so everybody was talking about cancon at one point you know in the last six months which always helps drive towards that you know from from anthony to doom to dwellers to you know bush Bush radio i plugged i plugged it a little bit on mine yeah bush radio yeah so yeah no i i um i i try to think of other content creators as collaborators not competition because you know you say oh, one, absolutely you yeah. say, like you say something about cancon right then i'm gonna as a content creator i go oh cancon you know clint said this thing and then i get to riff on my own show for you know 20 minutes about this this thing you've helped me create content too so i think that that one of the things that might actually be unique to, to age of sigmar i'm just gonna make a bold statement here um might actually be the sort of like the co- content creators as as collaborators as opposed to competition um, I think that might actually help our scene uh, grow over some other, uh, you know, other other scenes that might like take more of a be first mentality towards uh, towards their own content. But but that was just something interesting I saw kind of repeating here through chat. Um, I, I do want to call out as well um, a, a huge component to to selling out CanCon and another stat that I pulled up was the Games Club recognition. So. Um, there's a whole bunch of gaming communities. And if I think about growing a tournament scene in, um, I, I, actually Clint and, um, and Gabe from the Runax, we had a good chat on my channel about six months ago about gaming communities or gaming clubs who, who come together. And I look at measured gaming, measured gaming had 13 players attend CanCon. Uh, my gaming club, the Lords of Ruin had 10. 
Clan Filth had seven. Borderline Gaming from Aubrey had six. Beast of Belco had five. So all of a sudden, when you have one guy that says, hey, we're going down to Mecca, that is CanCon, and five dudes are going to come with you or five girls are coming with you, all of a sudden, you, you, you know, five gaming clubs, ten gaming clubs all do that, you're at 80 players. Then add the amplification that is the content creators um, that, hey, we're going to CanCon. You kind of you kind of remove buyer's remorse. You know, people don't want to go down to an event they've never experienced, spend all this time and money away from their family, um, only a few weeks after Christmas, which is a crazy expensive time and some people aren't working. But all of a sudden you remove that buyer's remorse, like this is an amazing time, here's some videos, here's some photos, here's my hobby progress. All of a sudden, you the the, the hype becomes real, um, and the the I've seen in my gaming clubs that I'm a part of, you know, the, I don't want to say peer pressure, but it's like you got to come to CanCon, you got to come to CanCon. Why to buy in CanCon? Get on the wait list. If you're not haven't bought a ticket yet, make sure you jump on that wait list because it's one of those must see, must attend events um, because we know that we don't want you to miss out. Well, there's there's something to be said for taking an event and making it an experience. Like, that's the next tier. You know, I can skip an event for the next event. But when something's an experience, that's something that I I keep with me, right? And so I think that that's probably a little bit of what you're you're kind of uh, sort of talking about there, there coaches. It doesn't ju- it's not just an event. This is an experience. This is a big, you know, it becomes, you know... This, big- is, not, this is not just five games of Warhammer. This is not just a generic tournament. You're coming for more. And um, much like I experienced at Adepticon, um, what happens outside of the gaming table is just as much, if not as more important, than what happens on the gaming table. It's the barbecue on the Friday night, the Doom and Darkness setup, that we all hang out, have some beers, have some laughs, settle in before the tournament event. It's the hanging out after lunch. It's the casual dining and the casual shit talking that happens on the Saturday night and even the Sunday night when the event's over. It's all these little things that make make a wonderful event, not just five or six fantastic games. Right, right. And so, um, so real quick, it, it is a it, does that then run does CanCon then run from like the Thursday through the Sunday, or is that just you know Friday, Saturdays? It's it's always three days. Um and it really so CanCon takes place around our Australia Day weekend. And of, um, which is the 26th of January. And so as that moves through the week... And this is a national um, holiday, right? Like this, this It's a national holiday, yeah. Like, um, like yeah. We, have, we have a Memorial uh, Day or whatever. Like, this is a... Na- yeah. Yeah. Australia Day has some stuff attached to it locally. But, um, yeah, it's a holiday. And as that moves through the week, basically, they will change whether CanCon is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Okay. Okay just to, to align with that holiday so that people can maximize their time off and things like that. Um, so traditionally there's only AOS on the weekend on the Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, other games run, I think they run, you know, middle earth on the Monday, they run all sorts of stuff on, you know, on the other days. Um, so 40, it's, 40 it's, K, 40 K is a three day event. 40 K is three day event. Cause they're insane and want to play far too many games. Eight games. I don't know how they can do eight games. <laughs> I don't know how they talk people into it, to be honest. Um, we have enough fun with six games, so, yeah. So is it is it but, three and three, or is it five, and then you cut to, a like, a top eight and do the six game type thing? No, nah, no, it's a three and three. Three and three, okay. Three, three Sunday, three Sunday. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then this this club aspect actually is really funny. Uh, funny to me. Uh, that that you do have that, and I think that just kind of separately, like having a rooting interest or something. Uh, clubs give you that, and I think that helps make make events more enticing. I know we're starting to ha- see a little bit more club focus here in the Midwest, and I think that that's that's kind of upped the. Uh, up the interest because you're not just like playing for yourself anymore. Now you're playing for like a little bit of club pride and, you know, and now there's a little bit of club, sh- uh, you know, shit talk and banter back and forth. And, and I think that stuff just kind of makes things a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fun. Uh, yeah. So, so not to let that pat at that point go by too much. Uh, so, so how did, uh, how did the responsibilities of CanCon fall to you, Clint? Was this something that you, you wanted to do from the beginning? You know what, this is the fourth year now. Um, or, or, uh, you know, did, did somebody just elect you and like dump, like tap us, tap you on the shoulder with a sword and say you are now the the, the leader of Cancun? How did that? How did that? Uh, how did you get into that? Uh, so I had never been to Cancun before I was running an event there, um, and so <laughs> I think, yeah, <laughs> I'm just laughing. <laughs> All right, go on. I had I had planned to go in the in the last days of fantasy, and then I had to move house, and it just didn't happen. Right, so right. Um, I think I saw uh, something go up for events at CanCon in 2017. 2017, yes. Trying to try to figure the years out there. Um, and I was talking with um, my co-heralds at that time, Jesse and Mark, and talking about AOS. And we sort of, I sort of said, if there's, if there's, if we don't do it, there won't be AOS there, basically. Mm-hmm. And I talked them into running it with me. Um, because I'd clearly fixated on this idea and then run with it, which is a thing that I do that like, my wife hates. Like all great <laughs> ideas, you, 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 you tunnel vision on it and then you rope your friends into it, whether they want to or basically, not. Basically. Right? Like, okay. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. They, they only helped me run it for one year to let that be, let that be a clue. Um, uh, so basically I just put my hand up because somebody had to do it. Right. Uh, somebody had to run it and somebody, and I had, um, sort of started running events just as Warhammer died and AOS. So the very first time I decided to run an event was the morning that the pictures of the Age of Sigma starter box leaked. Mm-hmm. So where they're all ready to play an, an eighth edition Warhammer event and everyone's looking at these pictures of these new Age of Sigma models on round bases. And I kind of gave the event a weird tone. Let's just, say that so i sort of started ramping up running events locally uh, you know at the start of age of sigma mm-hmm. and i'm like cool we need to do something at cancon um and and the response was really awesome considering you know uh you know how early days it was mm-hmm. i think we had the the first general's handbook though which was pretty helpful and you know we had folks like uh anthony and liam Shadowhammer, and that was their first you know it was your first tournament wasn't it like proper tournament it was, my, it was actually my very first for- tournament. So I played Warhammer mm-hmm. Fantasy back until... I started Warhammer in the early... The, the late days of 3rd edition, really moving into 4th edition. Um, so I've been playing Warhammer since I was a, t- a child. But I've never been to a tournament. I've never been to an event. And CanCon Age of Sigma was my very first tournament and event. And it happened because I had a bunch of friends, Deke, who harassed me to come in. Um, and, and yeah. fun fact, no, it's, no, no, it's interesting. So this is, this was a part of my, my journey from hating age of Sigma to loving it. 
Um, I despised Age of Sigma. My very first experiences were um, at a games workshop store uh, where where there were no points. And the, the way they ages. tried to create a balanced competition was based on War Scrolls and Wounds, which was a wonderful idea at the time. But I got to play a game where I got to play a series of games with basically three units of ha- of free guild, like handgunners and, and swordsmen. And my equivalent, I, I went up against four bloodthirsters. I went up against um, some crazy, stupid shit. And I had a really <laughs> bad time. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm out. Um, but when the General's Handbook came in, my friends kind of went, look, let's, let's go to CanCon. Let's give this a, a real shot. And I hadn't won a game of Sigma. I, I won one game leading into CanCon. And that one pivotable uh, event was the catalyst for something else for our whole community. So, uh, and I just want to acknowledge one thing for Clint, for Clint to take on CanCon from where he lives, that's uh, 1,100 kilometers. So convert that to miles, but that's how far this crazy man drives with tournament and resources to run an event that is well outside of his region. Man, so like people were like, man, all right. That, so like there, you had a real like commitment and drive her early on uh to to do the to do cancon and then you've just uh just really every year like like we kind of pointed out it's sort of yeah. doubled and continued to grow yeah i i like at the start of age of sigma there was nobody talking about it, it uh, like locally we had a bunch of podcasts in eighth and then they all disappeared when age of sigma came out so there was nobody talking about it nobody running decent sized events you know, nobody, well, there were people promoting it, uh, saying that there's nobody is not correct, but there wasn't as big a push behind it. And I wanted to, and I loved the game, um, and I really wanted to make it grow. So I started talking about it. I started tr- running events for it, you know, and trying to get people from my local capital city to drive up the mountain to come play in my events and, and, and started to try and really push. And, you know, so... Uh, CanCon was a part of that push and then there were other communities where they were all, you could see people doing doing stuff and then CanCon was that sort of first sort of meeting of, of a bunch of these different communities, you know we had some folks from Brisbane, we had some folks from uh, Sydney the, the Canberra um, crew got behind it, we had some, I think the first no. South Australian uh, a couple of people from Melbourne, like we had this first sort of meeting of all these different communities and then it's and then everybody went back to their communities and then worked feverishly away to grow it so that the next year that we came back yeah we had doubled in size yeah. because not only had people not only had sort of games workshop thrown some effort in behind um age of sigma because that was around the time that their leadership changed and their attitude changed right. um sort of in that in that year um but you had these people working away in their communities to really grow them um, and then bring back, yeah, bring back one friend each. And that's pretty much what happened. You know, we had whole clubs turn up. Like, I think uh, the, the following year when we hit that 104 was when Measured Gaming turned up, you know, with their 10 people or whatever. And we were like, wow, this is awesome. You know, people people are starting to really uh, gel together and, and, and you have this club movement to to come to events and things like that. So, so real quick, um, you played Warhammer fantasy battle as well, right? Like, and then, and then, uh, Clint, I know coach did, but yeah. So you played Warhammer yeah. fantasy battle as well. What, what, 
what a lot where what, you said you loved Age of Sigmar in those that what I call the Dark Ages, like the pre points era. Um, like what 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 made this game really resonate with you that you you did throw yourself as hard into it um, early? What was what was it that you just like you loved? Because most people, you know, were like, ah, this is the new. Like, I've heard some people's take like, oh, this is the new thing, so fuck it, we'll play it. You know, like the sort of nonchalant, might as well play the new thing. Um, but like, what made you to like go out and kind of champion the game? Uh, it was hard. I'm not gonna lie, because I've played Warhammer since sixth edition. You know, um, everybody knows that my favorite character is Manfred, and he killed oh. the world. Uh, like, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, no. But my <laughs> my second favorite character was Balthazar Gelt, and he got killed by Manfred. <laughs> so I had a proper conflicted moment there. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, no, look, the game. I try. I I played it a little bit before. You know, Mo Comp. And it was a bit, it was a bit rough. But once we had, we had people in, you know, other communities putting together these systems, and you had a little bit of structure, it was just, it was really fun. I really enjoyed it because it was, um, it was a very simple game to play mm-hmm. that was very interactive, and you could have loads of fun with it. And, uh, you know, I had some folks in my local community here who had played fantasy and and the size of the armies put them off and things like that whereas with aos you know there's less there was initially less models in the game and things like that mm-hmm. um and it was much easier to get them to play with you know half as many models as they needed to like i convinced one of my friends to rebase his entire army before he'd even played a game of age <laughs> That's i had talked it up that much see that's so that's amazing. I don't know if you know, like, I, obviously you know the the general you, the uh, the absolute vitriol around having to rebase an army is like, like one, it's not that bad, but like it it's just like this thing that people on the internet it like I still see every day, probably it's probably cooled down to about every 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 week or every month now at least one post somewhere complaining about rebasing their army. <laughs> like, or people steadfastly putting everything onto squares. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, fine. <laughs> and look, we, we catered to those people at CanCon for a while. Uh, we don't anymore. So we had a couple of years there where you could get away with um, squares blue tacked onto the appropriate size rounds and things like that. So right. that, you know, everyone was on a level play field now. Round bases. Round bases is it. That is that is what you're playing. Well, at, at some yeah, point, you 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 were, you were very inclusive for people who wanted to play Ninth Age or Kings of War or um, ha- weren't quite ready yet to jump over. Um, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I understand. It's a it's a big thing to rebase an army. I rebased all my death. I understand like how big a deal it is. Yeah. Um. So I didn't want to push people into doing that straight up. Right. But over the years, we've just kind of tapered off that kind of support and said, well, now, you know, silly five years. It is five years. Hang on. What yeah, year so it's about five It'll years. be five years in a couple of months. We're, we're in the, we're know, going you've had time. Years. Yeah. You, you, you've, you, you have decided that you want to play this game and you can rebase your army. So, yeah, it's, it, I, I think it, it, right now I'm to the, I'm to the point where like inclusive on one hand, I want to, I, I want to strive to be as inclusive as possible. On the other hand, when it comes to squares versus rounds, it's like kind of just a band-aid you just got to rip off at some point. And I think we've hit that period where it's like, now it's just rip the band-aid off. Like, just put your stuff on rounds now, please. Like, 
Um, yeah. like in an LGS setting, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna snivel about it. Like, go ahead. But like, once it's it's time to take them out into the wild and go to a tournament and stuff like that, it's like we we have like at this point they're just part of the decorum of it all. Uh, the 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 respect for the game. Like, have, have rounds, please. Have the correct rounds. Um, believer, thank you so much for those biddies there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, that that's really cool that you you kind of like like uh, uh, embraced it so thoroughly so early and and really kind of championed it uh, when when coach here was just making fun of it the whole time, I assume, and just like spitting, What's that? spitting on Asia. Calling everything Sigmarines and yeah, yeah, he was just the worst. No, no, actually, no, actually I didn't. Uh, my, after my, my initial journey was I played it. I tried it. I didn't like it. I stepped away and played uh Frostgrave for a good, say 12 months, which is a mod Dungeons and Dragons style skirmish game where, uh, based around wizards, which was, really 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 fun game and it kind of allowed me to to reset by the cool. way i also yeah. had it so they, it gave it gave me an opportunity to kind of explore some new models to play to you know really playing dungeons and dragons at that stage um and then oh, yeah. at that right time when things kind of happened um i was able to jump in in a much more positive environment mm-hmm. um because because this is at a time where um i only played one army that was the empire i played the empire for 15 years um, you know, I did a podcast with Clint back in the early days around the transition from fantasy to, to Sigma. But for my army, which was the one that I identified with and I loved so much, I had nothing. I had no law. I had no place in the mortal realms. And the well, moment we, we... that really kind of stood out for me was when they put out that video around the mortal realms and explained how the planets kind of worked and how, not planets, but the realms kind of yeah. interacted with each other. And that was where, for me, someone with such a high reliance on map and, and place place in the realms. Yeah. I finally found something that I could clutch onto as opposed to this fictitious free guild that at the time had no allegiance abilities. Uh, it had no law. It was just this porting of much like the tomb Kings of the Bretonia. It's like, you're there, but you're not really cool. Go, go play blood, uh, Bloodbound at the time. Well, like, uh, to real real quick, I was just I was just joking with you. You can tell he's he's really focusing on painting that model because my humor's going over his head, everybody. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no, you you we we talked on the uh, we, it's been October, I think, is the last time you were on. This is a sweet conversion. You can't see this if you're listening in pure audio, but he's actually got the steam tank with the. Uh, is that a gun hauler? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've converted to to steam tank gun haulers. Yeah. So hell yeah. Um, but no, you, you talked about like one of the things you really needed is in addition to having that sort of tactile need of like the map and for things to have a physical place, you need that underdog story of like mankind sort of triumphing in the face of demons. Like it's just a dude with, with a sword or a pistol and his like guts fighting a demon. The, the, the game, the game, I play Dungeons and Dragons a lot and I always play with the human. Uh, as cool as the, the orc is, as cool as the elf is, the dwarf, uh, I love the underdog story. And for me, at that time, there just wasn't that story and there was just no place for me at the time. And um, and I think really in the last, say, 12 to 18 months, the narrative, and I think, Clint, you may, you may even have seen this in my own hobby progression, um, I, I've found a place and now I'm getting to explore that with conversions and kit bashing and... Um, obviously got nominated for coolest army and that's something that i would have never have even strived for in a few years ago mm. um i think the year prior clint had 
pulled me up at CanCon to to say, hey, you're you're one of the best armies. I want you for nomination. And I said no. I said, Clint, no, I don't even want to be up there. I I'm here for gaming. Um, and I, Clint actually talked me about at least putting my army up. Um, and that was because I just didn't have a place at the time. I was just playing the game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think this this last year, like, kind of uh, going into our, I think our first rabbit hole off of this is is this last year. I think a lot of people were able to find their identity in Age of Sigmar, specifically this last year, with with all the tomes coming out. Um, you know, we got sort of the second iteration of a of a narrative sort of campaign style book telling us, hey, this is the world and there are things going on. I think Warcry has been absolutely pivotal for giving people a sense of space in Age of Sigmar. You know, like the all points or the eight point, you know this this thing exists here, right? Um, hmm. Cities of Sigmar saying, hey, this is Hammerhall. You know, this is what it's like. Um, you know, of course, we got Magro showing off the guns of Hammerhall tonight. Uh, in the... <laughs> uh, uh, but, like, the, like say, to, to, to actually give people... As much as I love the, the sort of blank canvas of Age of Sigmar for, like, inserting myself into the world, I think it's really important to give people, like, I call them sharp edges, give them sharp edges to, to latch onto. Um, and we finally got some, instead of a completely smooth surface that Age of Sigmar maybe was in the beginning, I wasn't personally there for the Dark Ages, but, um, but like to actually give people some of these, these surfaces to, to grab onto has been really, really key, I think, for, for people getting into the game. And I think that's why we've seen not just CanCon growing, basically doubling in size, I think the game, it would be a conservative estimate to say in the last, I'm going to say two years, basically since AOS 2.0, the game's probably doubled from what it was before. And we can we can look at all the events, and a lot of the events across the globe are, you know, probably about twice the size of what they were two years ago at the very least, uh, some more than others, right? Um, and I bet, the, I bet that player base is just a mirror of that, that, that the player base itself that doesn't necessarily travel to tournaments, I, I pretty much assure you that that's probably doubled as well. So, um, go ahead. You, you just have to look at in, in the Facebook groups and the hobby groups for all the different sort of either allegiances or whatever, and you see new people come in every day and they say, oh, I've just picked up this box and I've never done this before and whatever. And that's like a couple of times a week. That probably happens in the death group, um, you know, and, and, you know, you just, so you go, okay, well, these people are coming from, from somewhere and they might not never go to a tournament, that, but they'll play with their mates and whatever. And there's this, People talk a lot about tournament play and player numbers and things like that, but there's an, yeah, as you say, there's an invisible community, invisible, um, that has sure to be growing uh, in that time. So, yeah, I reckon right. dub doubling is a good estimate. I think, I think, doubling, it's like, I probably more than that, to be honest. If you look at hmm. Whip Wednesday, for example, or the amount of battle reports that people are just filming. Um, and it's just merely a lot of people are just filming their iPhone or their Android phone and, you know, piecing together, a, you know, a bunch of stories. Um, the content of photos and videos and blogs and discussions has has blown up. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really blown up. And, um, you know, you look at forums like TGA, again, just absolutely blown up because... Um, people either tournaments or non-tournaments are having a field day yeah yeah absolutely and and i think it's it's really important that that events like CanCon remain these these bastions of sort of uh, of 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 goodwill and and uh good sort of jumping off point for someone who wants their first tournament and to that end uh uh clint do you have unbelievable unbelievable thank you so much for that follow there safeguard 
Um, do you have a um, sort of like like a method to your to your madness for like putting together a pack? Because I think a pack is one of those for, one of those like maybe maybe your opinion differs on packs entirely, but I think a pack is like a good way of saying, hey, this is what my event's about, right? Like, do you have so something that when you go to write a pack, you go, this is a CanCon pack? Do you have that moment, or do you have a strategy in involved in that? Every pack I write is a progression, probably, of the first pack I ever wrote for Warhammer Fantasy. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, there was um, some changeover once we once we came to Age of Sigma. But I think that each pack I do every year builds on the pack from the year previous. Because we try and keep uh, CanCon sort of as vanilla as possible. Um, so, we don't have custom scenarios. We tend... Like we use realm rules, but we kind of taper, uh, tailor that experience. Um, we don't sort of say, you know, we allow all the realm artifacts and then the spells and all that sort of stuff. And we, you know, uh, but what I try and do is I know that we have people from not just communities all over Australia, but we, well, you know, we have that international element, you know, we have people from New Zealand and Scotland and the U S and, uh, you know, Every every region plays Warhammer slightly differently. Yeah, absolutely. Like they all, they all have different expectations. So I try and be as clear as I can in my pack around the expectations that I have, or and they should have for for CanCon. And because it is fairly by the book, that obviously makes it a lot easier. But you know, we just have, you know, we spell out you know hobby expectations and you know gamesmanship expectations and this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, so I try and be as clear as I can in the packs. And, and each year I kind of refine that further. You know, each year is sort, sort of clearer than the year before. Right. No, I, I, and I think that's, that's probably like one of the most important roles of a pack is setting those expectations saying, Hey, this is the type of tournament because it, it, you don't like your tournament is going to be different from my tournament is going to be different from like, you know, Anthony's tournament or, or coach's tournament. Um, like, but that pack is a really good guide to, to a player going, okay, this is how this tournament's going to be a little bit different, or this is how what I can expect going in. So if your pack is is, is, is clean, it's concise, it, it tells them everything to expect successfully, even if it's not the, like, the exact tournament that, you know, I would run, it's still like, oh yeah, you know, it checked the box. It said what it was going to be, it was what it was, what it was going to be, you know, I can't complain because it says right here in the pack, this is what you expect. And so you've probably gotten a lot better at going, hey, you know, at managing expectations, I suppose, through your pack, right? Yeah, absolutely. Every every year. Um, I'm also conscious of the fact that my pack tends to end up in odd places. <laughs> this okay. it, it's, it's, okay. it's strange, but as, as we've sort of gotten bigger, um, parts of my pack turn up everywhere. Um, so there's a line in, in my pack about not using um, High Elf Dragons as Magma Dragons or using a Vargulf as a Mongol or something like that. And I've read that in player packs from, like, Northern Ireland and stuff like that. I'm like, hang on, I wrote that. <laughs> you know? is, there a, is there a story so, behind why you wrote that in a pack, perhaps? Uh, just to stop cheap people, basically. Um, well, it, once, no, once again, it's setting just, expectations. Just, just, it's like, just... yeah, that's cool. That might, be, that might be cool at your local store. That's cool, but... You're playing against people who might have traveled, you know, 30 hours. You know, they might, you might be playing the, you know, Joe from the States or whatever. He doesn't want to go, what's that Vargulf? And you go, no, it's a Mongol. 
you know, like mm-hmm. th- things like that. It, it, it's 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 about setting expectations on what is an acceptable you know, thing. But yeah, it's just that 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 paragraph sort of turns up in odd places. So I know that you know, as as the event's gotten bigger and gotten more attention, people are reading the pack and they you know and borrowing from it, and which is cool. Like that is a huge compliment mm-hmm. that they are borrowing parts from from the pack, but. I just just that paragraph sticks out a lot because I think that was in my first Kencon pack, and I've just never revised it because it still, you know, it still fits. So that's a, that's fantastic. I, I I like the um I like the little evolutions of packs. So there's like the Wapaka pack has a uh, in its sort of FAQs, it's got the accept, acceptable places to throw up uh, because of course. <laughs> someone has thrown up in the wrong place before. Uh, and so, like, they had to set that precedent for, like, losing sports score if you don't, like, throw up in the bathroom or, <laughs> or a snowbank, right? Like, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the in, uh, uh, Brendan from, from uh, you know, Milwaukee scene, he does the uh, Brew City Brawl here. Um, his pack actually says you can't use a real turtle for your for your, uh, your IDK turtle and because someone threatened to bring a, a real turtle for IDK. <laughs> it's like, no, you can't do this. And so I think the, the little, like, uh, stories and the evolutions of some of that stuff is, is part of the character of the game. I think that's great. Mm. Yeah, so we got a uh, chat gang real quick uh, with all the hype train that's been going on. Y'all unlocked a couple of new, uh, new emotes. So, uh, you know, kudos to y'all. Uh, thank you for being the best at Twitch uh, by spending a bunch of money. <laughs> Pay to win, right? Pay to win. That's right. That's right. That's what it's all about. My has the my pack has the best secondaries. Tomb King Tristan is shouting off. Um, so I, I've had can just I, like. Oh, go ahead. Can I can I add one thing just from yeah. my point of view for the player pack as well? Yeah, go ahead. So. Because I'm, I'm in the, the knee-deep of building my players pack for Sydney GT and, and ready to release it. Um, and I had two methodologies. One was not to recreate the wheel. Um, if someone's already doing something that's wonderful, don't feel ashamed borrowing it. It's been done. You can learn from their mistakes. And, you know, like Clint and I had a wonderful discussion and I gave him some feedback around the painting scores at um at cancon i said you know oh i think you know you should open up a little bit more for the amount of points you can generate and he, he responded with well if only you ran a tournament that you could you know apply the, your ideas and while he was being a jerk it's true it's look at a player's pack and think what's my spin on this and you know i have gloriously stolen from um dave dave um for nashcon I've stolen uh, ideas from Domus for Midwest Meltdown. Mm-hmm. I've stolen ideas from Holy uh, Holy Havoc with um, Steve Herner. I've yeah. stolen ideas from um, from Clint. And I think it's a wonderful way of bringing together some of the best. And I think I'm even stealing some ideas on the way. Oh, God, who was I speaking to? I've just had a mind blank around. There was a, re- oh, a Bloodshed in the Shire did a really cool way of doing um, Best in Chaos, Best in Allegiance. So looking at some of the best packs, getting some exposure and thinking if I want to create an experience for my players, does someone already have the rules that I really want? And, and do I bastardize it to make it my own? Mm-hmm. Um, some you can literally like lift and shift. Some you might want to rework. Mm-hmm. So like I've rewritten Domus's war scroll for the monster of Gur, but some of it, it's just like, yep, yeah, I love how he did it. Just grab it. Yeah. So don't be ashamed of doing that because we've now had four years of events 
and um, some very experienced tournament organizers who who have put their heart and soul in these packs. So one, read it. Two, don't be ashamed to borrow from others. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of sort of like riding on the backs of giants that happens in in a hobby like Age of Sigmar. Like, for instance, just like looking up a video on how to do a painting technique, you know, the you know Vince is is going to tell you how to like do non-metallic metals or something like that, right? Telling you how to do a technique uh, for crackle bases. Who knows? Whatever it is, um, he's already made a bunch of the mistakes to be able to make that video, right? He to to acquire that knowledge. So like when it comes to like writing a pack, a lot tos have. We have made, I've ran one event, I can call myself a TO. Um, we've made mistakes that, that like, we've learned from as we sort of progressed the event or as you've progressed your event. Um, when you're borrowing from somebody else's pack with something you like, you're also, bar like, benefiting from the experience that went into that pack as well. And so the net sort of water level of Age of Sigmar is just raising, and that, that rising water level is going to raise all boats, right? So... <laughs> Um, wow, man. Uh, so I have, a, I have a little question here. That's just a random curiosity because, uh, I am not a weeb, but I've got to ask it. Uh, I'll go ahead and throw the, the, uh, emote up in chat there. Um, so, so Japan actually has, I don't know if you follow any, like the, the Japanese, uh, uh, hobbies. And this is to you chat gang as well. And you, you, you dear viewers or you dear listeners, um, they go hard on the hobby aspect. But they don't necessarily have a ton of uh, uh, of tournaments. Do you find that you get like a lot of like because Japan isn't super far away from Australia relative to like some other places? Um, do you actually like get like a sort of a Japanese influx to CanCon or anything like that? Have you noticed that going on? No, not yet. No, not yet. Well, I'm sure it'll happen. Like um, just as their scene grows, um, and you know, as as the international scene sort of cross-pollinate yeah. Yeah, yeah cross-pollinate was the word i was looking for but yeah. i just could not think of it yeah as that happens i think it'll happen it, it, it'll happen for sure but i think uh yeah they're eight hours away on a plane i think um ten. i think it's ten yeah okay i'm i'm, I'm two hours closer it's fine um <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so but yeah i i'm sure that, that will happen um because I know I know the reverse is true. Like I, I think there are some Australians that go to Japan and have been to some of these events and things like that. So well, I, I've heard Magro talking a little bit about like you've got a very in terms of food wise, you got a really like cross. You know, you're you've got a really diverse uh, palette of meals that you pull from when you're you're throwing together some food. At, uh, well, uh, there, Magro, and I think you mentioned some uh, some Japanese dishes one time. Well, I'm like, love a good ramen, but. Um... Talking to the guys who run um, the Rising Sun GT, which is the the Japanese tournament, as those, the, I, I believe there might be a bit of a language barrier in regards to right. the, the locals versus foreigners who attend. Um, however, that 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 is growing, and um, I'm hearing wonderful things, and I see wonderful hobby that's coming out of um, some of our Asian communities. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think there will be a day. I don't know when that day will be, where we will get. Um, not just a New Zealanders coming, but, you know, our, our Indian friends and our Chinese friends and our Japanese friends. And um, I think that's the wonderful thing that as this world exp expands, I'm learning more about the French Age of Sigma. I'm learning more about the German Age of Sigma, yeah. the Spanish Age of Sigma. And um, I think that's something we can all learn from each other and share from. Um, yeah, we have yeah. We, we have a member here in, in, in chat gang. He's he's in rather, rather frequently. Um, uh, he's 
like been educating me on the German scene a lot, like during like some of my hobby streams and stuff. And I'm just like, my mind is like kind of blown by hearing how like some of the similarities, but also like how they've hated fire slayers in Germany, I guess, for like one calendar year already. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and to hear like little things like that, we're, we're like, you know, thinking that like, you know, we look at, we step out back and we see some of these, these trends and some of these, uh, you, some of these, these statistics and you go, these are like oftentimes global statistics we're like looking at and seeing how the local meta or, or like the regional metas kind of differ. You know, we had a ton of Nagash, uh, during the Nagash plus Grimgast Reapers, probably more than any other region. And, and a lot of it came down to just like Brendan and people like either like sort of like be, being gamers and, you know, trying to beat him with his own list or, or, or saying, Hey, he's really great player in our local scene. We're going to try to like take his list and win as well. So you, you see some of that like sort of regional influence. And I just find it utterly fascinating for as like a social game to see the sort of social, uh, you know, cross pollination between tournaments and between scenes. Uh, and I, I remember, um, I remember when I attended Blood and Glory in 2017, and this was the the fire the fire slayers perfect storm where their war scrolls got changed to be better, they got uh, cheaper in points, and they got their start collecting box or that was you know it got easier to buy. I remember this this um, crazy storm, and uh, Blood and Glory was won that year, I believe, by fire slayers. And I remember going, holy shit, when I get back to Australia and CanCon, oh my God, Fire Slayers is going to be everywhere. I've never played against Fire Slayers. And two years later, they're still pretty low key. So it's interesting how you're right, the meta does change and, and what people jump onto um, versus what sounds like the boogeyman, but actually really isn't. Yeah, or like if you this the the power of like actually playing rabbit hole number two, take a drink. Um, the the power of like actually playing against a boogeyman and and not just the one game, but like getting your nerves out the way, playing against somebody in like a local meta, um, and uh, and just sort of uh, learning there that they might have some weaknesses you didn't expect. For instance, Slanesh, like I I just wasn't as afraid of Slanesh this last year as as I had been of like Fire uh, Flesh Eater Courts. Because I was interested in playing that army. And so, like, I played a couple proxy games. Like, knew it knew the army didn't need me, first of all. I'm like, okay, Slanesh doesn't need me to play it. I'm going to go back to, like, running my Beast of Chaos as Beast of Chaos. Um, but, like, it, it, to, to, like, have that sort of, like, gain that insider knowledge of beginning to play it. But then I also played against it a fair, a fair amount to where I'm like, you know, the internet keeps telling me to shoot their heroes. And I'm, I'm like, I find that killing their battle line is way better. You know, like, and, and to just, like, if you if you feed the boogeyman, it only gets stronger, right? Well, leading leading into CanCon, I went OBR hunting. Oh, yeah. I found, I found every OBR player I could find, and I, and I challenged them. I grudged them. Uh, so much so that when I was at a local one-day tournament, in Game 3, there was a Petrofix Nagash, and I called him out. I said to the tournament organizer, can you please let me play this person? I want a Round 3 grudge. And they look really weird at me because I was two and zero oh at that stage. And then that guy only had one and one. And he's like, "No, I'm not going to let you because uh, you might win the prize." And I'm like, the prize? I don't care about the prize. I want to play <laughs> Petrofix Nagash leading into CanCon. And you're right, leaning into the boogeyman, just getting experience. You know, I played Liam, and he had a really strong catapult build with his um, OBR. And I gave him first turn. I said, "Shoot at me." I yep. said, "Show me what you got." I said, I don't care what you're going to do. 
this is for lols hit me and then i'm going to see based on what damage you do how i can respond yeah 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 and and that's not to say that the boogeyman aren't powerful they achieve boogeyman status for a reason right um but you're going to be a lot more versed going into a big field like like cancon if you if you fight the boogeyman right like you you actually um because so often the reason i think we call them boogeyman is 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 so perfectly poetic to me because so often the boogeyman's not real right and you know there's nothing under your bed and so we have these like big boogeyman moments in in the game uh, i'm currently balancing zinch right now in my head where i'm like i i know i have this apprehension that a lot of people have in the in the in in the game right now but like i also know that like two of my my favorite people and and people that have actually been on ratcast they're really loving their Zinch armies, and they've been on board the the Zinch train for a while before before this new Boogeyman status. Well, new Boogeyman status. They were the old Boogeyman, but we'll revived, revived, revived revitalized Boogeyman. They we got like a six month, you know, cooldown from Zinch being the best army in the fucking game, right? So so it's all right that they're back now. Six months is enough uh, for things. But to that's not a change. that's a regional <laughs> thing too, though, right? That's right. a regional thing too, though. Like in Australia, Zinch didn't have their second, like their their thing over here. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were really big when that first book came out, um, and then they kind of tapered off. And then we didn't have to. Okay, go ahead. We didn't really get the Zangor build. We didn't get the change host resurgence. You didn't get the, the um, endless then, spell spam resurgence, right? Like no, no. I'm sure there was players out there playing it. Don't. Please don't at me because I've ignored you. But like, <laughs> we didn't have like we didn't have that resurgence of the change host thing and everything that other communities are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously with this new book, everyone's like, "Oh gosh, Zinch is back again and stronger." And in three months' time, we'll be talking about something else. Yeah, that's elves. just it's just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah, elves. Um, I'm I, I'm not excuse I'm not excusing any sloppiness with rules or, or design or anything like that, but I just I do think there's a that we give some of these boogeymen power by just being afraid of them. Like if you've this is like like if you walk up to the table and you think you've already lost just seeing my army, if I'm if I'm gaming a certain kind of way, I can really pray to your fears as like a as a like you know think about the poker mentality of gaming, right? If you're if you're betting afraid. I can take advantage of you, right? If you think that I'm the boogeyman and you're afraid to engage, you know, a 20 block of Mortec guard, even with your best pieces that can actually beat them, I'm going to play to that that fear, right? If, no. if you know, if, if you only empower me by being afraid of my army. Um, and, and so I think that whilst, again, oftentimes boogeyman status, it come, there's a grain of truth in there. There's, there's something that is imbalanced that we look at and we grab it and we go, this is a problem. But you look at that problem and then like you stop trying to look for solutions. And this is something I've been cautioning. You're you're actually in a, a basic form of fight or flight mode in that when you're like when you're angry at an army or you're angry at a at a book or an angry at a release. You're in a fighter a, a basic fight or flight mode. You you don't realize it because you're just, it's not a lion about to pounce on you. But you, you do go into that, that part of your brain that stops logicking the problem. And that's something I like to caution against, just as a sort of mental health uh, Age of Sigmar moment there. So you're welcome, everybody, for rabbit hole number two of the night. <laughs> um, I guess, but that does segue nicely. Go on. Um, there's a difference between building your list 
or, or going into an event knowing that it's likely you're going to face something because that's what's around. Right. Or just, yeah, as you say, being afraid, playing afraid. There's a big difference there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, there's a big difference there. So, But speaking of this, this sort of, like, boogeyman segue we ended up on, what type of field did you end up finding, ha- uh, like, at CanCon? Did you get a nice, diverse meta? Um, you were one of the events that did allow the new book, as I recall, right? You did allow New Zealand and New KO. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like... For you, better or worse. <laughs> for better or worse, right? Right. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, so... so uh, I mean, obviously, people people have their opinions on that. I'm not I'm not interested on on you having to justify it. Honestly, you don't to me, uh, or anybody else for that matter. Um, but like, yeah, you did allow it. So like, hey, man, live by the sword, die by the sword. So they were there. Uh, well, I guess were they? Were Zinch and Ko prominent both, or just did you see the a little bit more of the blue banner? Still a nine Zinch. Okay. Players, which was great. Um, just you know the number thing. Ah, uh, there was a bunch of KO. Um, well, KO's kind of a Zinch, fan. Zinch obviously won, right? Right, so, right. We know Zinch won and, and uh, OBR took second, right? So Yeah, but even the OBR build was something bizarre. So it's, it's, the OBR build was, was not your standard thing. So, uh, look, we saw Zinch around. There were as many as there were up the top. They were down the bottom as well. Okay. Uh, KO sort of filtered down a little bit further. They are sort of around the middle. Um, but I think overall we had a, a, a really great spread across um, all of the Grand Alliances and a bunch of the Allegiances. Like, yes, it wasn't 25%, 25%, 25%, like a, a quarter each. Um, but some years we've had, you know, maybe 10% of the field being destruction or 10% of the field being death. You know, it was not that that heavily weighted thing. Um, you know, it was it was it was roughly a good even. spread. Yeah, um, good. It was a good spread. It was a good spread. Um, you know, there were some standout sort of allegiances that people took, but even um, in the top ten, it was sort of uh, scattered around a little bit. Okay. Coach, I know you've got mm. some like some some numbers because this kind of you, you've been he's, he's sitting there waiting. With he numbers. just he wants to like I see him like just like shaking in a chair, just like ready to talk. No, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm here to help. And, and so what what I had saw um, from the list review was um, it was relatively an even spread when it came to Grand Alliances. Um, Order had the strongest of them, so um, 70, 78... Uh, lists came from order 45 came from destruction 46 came from death 56 come from chaos um the most popular builds were cities of sigma with 19 lists ogre more tribes 18 osiak bone reapers 18 deep kin at 15 skaven at 13 fire slayers 10 go down the <laughs> list iron jaw stormcast zench slanesh seraphon corn sylvaneth so Zinch were at on. so Zinch were at nine, which as I recall is his number, and and yeah. and Skaven were at thirteen, which is their number. That's that's Skaven really at thirteen, and uh, Slanish was at eight, and Corn was at eight, and Nurgle was at seven. So Slanish Close. ruined, Slanish ruined it for us. Otherwise, all of the Chaos Gods hit their number. <laughs> should, should have just rejected a couple of lists. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> No, no, you needed to add more, don't you? What's Slanesh's number? Slanesh is six. Yeah, it's six for Slanesh. Oh, I, I just imagine it was 69. <laughs> oh, wow. Two more lists. 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're, we're in trouble if we have 69 Slanesh lists coming. <laughs> so, so you had a, you had a pretty good spread actually. Um, a pretty diverse field. Um, just talking a little bit. So, so Zeech did end up taking it. Um, taking yeah. it all. I, I since I am an, a, like a you know death is best type player. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the OBR list that ended up winning it. What was the gentleman's name? Do you recall? I, I should have done this for my, part of my research. I, I did not. Uh, the guy came second. Yes, Josh. Josh. Josh Carroll. All right. So Josh, uh, he he was actually bringing a heavy a murder ponies heavy list. So I need to share a little personal anecdote. The first list I ever built when I got my OCR Bone Reapers uh, book when I was just messing around with lists was uh, uh, Cavalos Lance plus Balistari list, right? That was the first list I ever built. Uh, the second list I ever built was Nagash plus all the murder ponies. <laughs> so, so I did it as a meme because I was joking with uh, with Haywo that I was going to play Beast Claw Raiders except with death models, <laughs> and I had found a way to like run like th- like uh, I think it was like twenty uh, twenty three models was what my list was. It was like Nagash and a bunch of ponies and then a couple like heroes. So I was I was really like snickering when I saw that uh, that he had. That that a list that I thought was a joke had had actually some real legs to it and had won uh, had won. Uh, not that I think Nagash is a joke, by the way. That's not the read. I think he's actually fucking great. Um, that's what I ran at Paca was was Nagash plus more more tech guard than ponies. Um, so I think he's. I think you're going to see that list a lot more, especially now that someone's taken second with it. But just from talking to Josh a little bit on Twitter. Um, he said he took it because he knew you were going to be playing in guy. He knew he was going to be playing in Gairan, and so he was really like aware of 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 the pack. I guess is just is just the, the best way of saying it. Um, he was very aware of the pack when he had built yeah. that list. So I think that's what you have to be in order to to do well at an event that size. Um, you have to play it to the pack, and so we tell people early on you're playing in Gairan, and so people go, "Hmm, really good Emerald Life Swarms." And uh, and I'll have these spells. So, and if they write their lists to make to max, yeah, to take it. advantage of that, yeah, you know, that's fine. Like, I don't think that's a problem at all. No, if if the pack is is if it's information that everyone has, then it's information everybody has, right? That's that's one of the things about, that that Age of Sigmar, uh, I think is, is makes it so great. Is we play a game of what is called quote unquote perfect information. Uh, you know my whole list, and you know everything in my army. When I walk up to the table and I, I, I hand you my list and I go, this is everything in my army, right? All my rules, all their abilities, you know, all their movement. You can whip out a phone, check the check in the app. You know that. Um, we play a game of theoretically perfect information. Now, obviously, there's stuff with FAQs. There's, um, there's, a, there's some nuance to it. But for the most part, you know everything in the list. And, and the pack can be an extension, is an extension of that, too. You know painting requirements, you know, going into a tournament. We tell you those, too. It's not just, you know, on a quote-unquote gamer side of things. You know your expectations as a sportsmanship, uh, or as a sportsman uh, as well. Like, show up on time, you know. If, if the, the event pack has a requirement of early list submission, uh, hey, it's worth five points of your sports vote, like, or your sports score. Like, all that stuff is information you know going in. The, part, the gameplay part of it, too. So if you're saying, hey, you're going to be in Guy Ran, uh, and you go, I'm going to bring emerald life swarm to really take advantage of it or whatever then boom like there's i i think that's just part of it it's it's knowing your painting expectations army expectations narrative expectations whatever the expectations are so that's part of that that having a strong pack having a good pack 
um, setting those expectations. And and the people who are going to do the best are the people who are going to prepare them going to prepare the best, right? Um, getting in getting in your games, you know, making sure you know your list, making sure you know your army, playing against uh going out and headhunting Osiric Bone Reapers, right? If you know you're going to play them because there's 10% of the field or or wherever they've settled in uh after the most recent uh stats show, like you're going to you're going to play you chances are you might play them, right? Like hmm. you chances are you're going to play Maw Tribes, I mean, just go, uh, AOS Coaches, uh, by the way, I, I've got to do a shout out to you, even though you're on my show right now, your meta, your meta show is, I, I really love it, it's, you've been doing this monthly now for about three months, I, it's one of my, one of my favorite bits, so. Shout out to me. <laughs> you and, and, uh, and, uh, AOS Reminders, actually, uh, uh, Davis Ford yeah. kind of helping you out with that. Um, yeah, like, like, I know, going into a tournament, okay, I'm probably gonna play Ogres, you know, a little bit ago, I knew I was gonna play Slanesh, like, Knowing that and just getting in your games, preparing against it, especially if it's a boogeyman, uh, that's just all part of preparation. Prep, prepping your list, you know, um, on a basic level going, you know what, I don't like catapults. Or, you know what, I don't like harvesters. I'm not going to put them in my list. Do, getting that information in, get, figuring that stuff out, that's going to help you pr prepare and, and, and have cleaner games and have a more more fun time, honestly. If you're doing less mental work the day of because you've you've prepared well, you're going to have more fun. You're going to be able to to hit that sweet spot of having a conversation at the table with the game on in the background. Essentially, that's where I love to. That's where I love to live my life at the AOS table is knowing my list so well that I'm just I measure, move, and I'm just talking to my opponent the whole time. Like I love games like that. Um. Yeah. Um, if you want to do well at a tournament, um, you know the, the questions that I was asking myself from my list and. Some of the challenges that I was trying to explore was how does my army handle Ossiak Bone Reapers? How does it handle a heavy Mortec Guard build? How do I handle a Catapult build? How do I handle a Nagash build? How do I handle um, a turn one charging Iron Jaws or um, Ogre Moor Tribes with Stone Horns? How do I handle Skaven Mortal Wound Shooting? How do I handle um, Stormcast or some of the movement shenanigan armies that can kind of drop from the sky or, you know, Night Haunt with their teleporting? And you know, asking those questions of my army meant that I could potentially make the best list that I could for the draw that I was hoping to achieve. Mm -hmm. Now, did I achieve and did I fight all of the meta armies? No, but I was well prepared for when I did fight them. I did play Bone Reapers. I did play. Um, uh, I, I did play uh, the Ogremore tribes. Um, I did play a Skaven list. Um, so I had some answers. Um, this is actually a pretty good transition into sort of what I would call the second half of the show here, which is the, the player perspective, Coach. So you attended CanCon uh, to play. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so you played your six rounds. You brought your, your gorgeous, I don't know if, if, if y'all got to see this, um, but he, your gorgeous display board with the, the, the uh, you know, sort of two, t two levels to it where you had the like surface level cities, uh, cityscape sort of thing. And then you had the sub level, like the Skaven underneath the city. Uh, gore, absolutely gorgeous display board. One of one of the one of my favorite I've ever seen personally. So so kudos to that man. Um, but yeah, you I, I saw you you talking about some of your games, sort of like cursory, like just sort of like in the lead up to CanCon, practicing with uh with your city's list. Uh, um, I think I saw you actually talking about your Liam your game against Liam. Uh, with with the uh, so you're talking you you shared your catapult with story early yeah. yeah you shared your catapult story early but you'd also kind of shared that journey on the internet um, so you put in a lot of reps how did how did it pay off how did it how did how did it turn out how did CanCon go for you 
yeah it, it, it went really well so uh my road to cancon started um after the after sydney gt so i run an event that happens in the middle of october so um the the benefit and the curse is that uh i get to avoid armies on parade and i get to uh, avoid um uh what's it called the, the ever chosen uh because at that same time and clint can appreciate this whenever you're running a tournament your personal hobby disappears um you are constantly building terrain uh you are talking to sponsors about potential prizes you are doing plaques yes you know you're putting out social media posts you know your life is dedicated for a good uh, six months at probably minimum preparing for your tournament so personal hobby disappears and i never get to enter anything else um so the moment that kind of came um finished up i i decided i wanted to go hard this is this was my armies on parade this was my ever chosen um i was going in to to have a great weekend uh my goal is always to win more than i lose um that's a personal goal i don't want to win cancon um but at the same time i still want to have good games and i want to do well mm -hmm. um so how did i do that i guess uh being uh, i had to divvy up right because my display board i was going all in on my display board um and that was taking a lot of my time a lot of my effort i was applying new techniques that i've never done before from the the resin water to um a lot of phone call work um at the same time trying to build my list and um uh, I was constantly evolving my list based on the interactions that I was having. So my very first couple of games, I played some uh, Iron Jaws armies and my, my my free guild guard just basically collapsed. So I was playing Hallow Heart for Cities of Sigma mm -hmm. and I had two, two interactions where I had one or two more crushes with a bunch of pigs turn one charge me before I had any benefits on my army. Mm -hmm. And basically the game was over before it started. Um, well, certainly my juicy center of wizards were kind of getting collapsed. So I had to ask myself, how do I handle this army? So constantly I was testing and finding opponents to test a theory and kind of work out what, how my army was going to work. This is um, list science. This is applied list science here is what you're it, doing. It, it was. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I fell into the trap very early on, on, you know, everyone in Hello Heart was talking about the, um, the, the bridge. I'm like, I'm going to take the bridge. And I dropped it in November. I'm like, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for my style. And it was just this constant evolution. And then I, I found the list that I really enjoyed and it did well. Um, I won four games out of six. So I was very happy with that. Did uh, The real hot question though is, is did you beat Bo did you beat the Bone Reapers and the Ma Tribes? Uh, I did. So my first, uh, my first game was against Seth Cook, uh, the goon boss himself on Twitter. That was a grudge. And uh, he had three stone horns um, and they all charged me and I did beat him. Okay. <laughs> um, so that was awesome. And then my last game was against Corey from Measured Gaming, uh, who had 60 uh, more tech guard with Ar uh, Arcan the Black and a bunch of other dudes. Uh, and I did win that one as well. So um, putting in my reps, I got, I got an appreciation of, um, what things can and can't do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So the prep paid off. You actually mentioned something about experimenting with like techniques for your terrain, uh, for your display board and stuff. Um, Clint on the, on the TO side, have you found that like you've had to refine the process of, of, of your terrain? Have you, have you done any like experimentation or evolving that to get ready for such a big event? Um, I've... So this year we sort of remade a, 
bunch of like I chose to remake a bunch of things because uh, I've always made hills a certain way, and I'm like, no, I don't like how this looks. So I went and remade a bunch of hills, and my wife was quite annoyed at me. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, but every every year I kind of learn something new, or I've picked up something. Because I will, throughout the year, I'll watch YouTube and watch tutorials. And, you know, Mel the Terrain Tutor has an exhaustive YouTube library of techniques. And I go, hmm, oh, well, I'll give that a try. And, you know, can I, where he's making four pieces, I've got to make 40. So I try and pick techniques that I know I can do in bulk and things like that. So, yeah, I, every year I try and test something else out. That's really cool that, like, um, you know, so, like, it's sort of like, you're evolving like the tables that your your players are playing on as they're sort of parallel to you evolving their techniques for their their own army and their own little personal displays. I just think again, this is that raising water level thing. You know, it raises all boats. the the game The events look better. Uh, the armies look better. The players, you know, are then just it, because they're deeper and, and more immersed. I think they're having a, a greater time too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So so I'm gonna challenge you here. Uh, Magor, I know you're you're committing a lot of your right brain to the uh, uh, to the hobby right now, but but can you paint for me a, a a picture with words going going to CanCon like what like what that you know day one two three not not necessarily the games but just I'm you know you know I'm a player you know what what are my expectations what you know what is the ideal holiday to CanCon, do you think from the player side what is that like where, you know, where does um, that begin? yeah good question good question so CanCon CanCon starts before CanCon um that's surprise if anyone's been to a major tournament uh again blood and glory I've had the pleasure going to Adepticon I'm sure it's no different to Midwest Meltdown um the tournament starts before the tournament um so <laughs> I was you very keep saying that it to... doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. It's called, I know. It's called context and bat story. And now that you appreciate where I'm at, I'm going to take you to where I was. <laughs> Let me take you to sales Perfect. school instead of coming down to like a, a hot tin roof shed playing Warhammer with a bunch of sweaty dudes. Um, so. CanCon start, so CanCon started for me at least on the Thursday, which was the day that we traveled down before the day. And the reason we came down the day before, so CanCon, the actual tournament was on Saturday, Sunday. On the Friday, we have two, we, we had two key events. Um, Vince Ventrella was running a painting workshop. That was an all day painting workshop that I had the pleasure of joining. But at the same venue, at the same time, there was a traditional, well, this, the second iteration of what's called the Trans-Tasman Cup, which was a team tournament or a one-on-one -on -one between Australia and New Zealand. So last year, there was five Australians versus five New Zealanders, and they fought one game to see who was the better country. And then this year, that expanded to nine, nine on nine. So for, uh, for Americans, uh, the, the relationship between... Uh, between like New Zealand and Australia is a lot similar to uh, to the relationship we have with like Canada, um, where yeah. like it's it's like a big brother, little bro brother sort of like you you make fun of each other, but at the end of the day, it's this this there's a there's a camaraderie there, and I think that I've seen a lot of that, and I've I've heard stories about it. Uh, yeah, so. if anyone messes with their little brother, you're gonna fuck shit up. You are you will not you will not deal with anyone picking on your little brother. 
Right. Um, but you'll still call so them the, Kiwis and stuff, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. We, 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 you know, we, 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 t- we take the piss against each... We teach each other, but if anyone else teases them, then, you know, you're in trouble. Right, um, right. <laughs> So, yeah, no, no, absolutely no different. Um, so they had a 9-on-9 uh, uh, tournament, uh, which uh, Dan from AOS Shorts was, was uh, I guess, hosting and running... Uh, while I was at the painting workshop, and um, you might have seen a funny meme where, well, not even a meme, it was a Mad post girl. between me, Dan, and uh, Vince Ventrella, all looking at uh, the LVO reveals that happened at the end of his painting workshop. And mm-hmm. so, are you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say Magro, and I thought you were going a different route with the the meme. <laughs> Polo. Polo. <laughs> something dank that you've seen. Um, um <laughs> yeah so another, so yeah go yeah, ahead i'll just say that another reason you go down on the friday is um hopefully you come down to help clint because poor clint is uh is setting up cancon at the same time as well so everyone can come in and play on saturday but we also have um again the second iteration that um michael from doom and darkness um had set up a very informal casual barbecue where um, a lot of us are staying at uh, this centralized location. It's like um, cabins um, where you have like, you know, six or eight people sharing a cabin. Um, and there's a whole bunch of cabins. So what we do is we organize a Friday night, basically uh, got food catered for and um, just drinks and casual conversation. And, you know, the Honest War Gamer was there. You know, we had, you know, everyone coming together and just having an absolute ball, chatting to each other, getting to introduce themselves Um and that really kicks on into the actual tournament because you've started to build relationships and um, and friendships, I guess, over time. And it's also an opportunity for the, the international communities and also the domestic communities to come together in one spot to talk. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a similar vibe, I think, that happens at Adepticon. Um, this is why you don't want to be painting in your hotel room the night before the tournament because you miss out on some of this this great stuff um some of, some of my favorite moments at adepticon were the casual um you know chuck moore taking me out to this um very philadelphia style restaurant uh or takeaway joint on i think it was a saturday night you know stone monk gamer doing his Taylor for warlords at like one o'clock in the morning in the hall you know the, some people would bring casual beers you know meth we, we went out to dinner, dinner you me Joe, we all kind of went out to a, a random a random restaurant to eat. Um, it's these little moments where you kind of catch up with people and you 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 get to understand the the internet personalities or even just people you don't get to normally hang out with in these casual environments that make which make which make the event. It makes it more from just Warhammer playing to the friendships that continue to build over time. Right, right. And then so so you do all that, and then the you know you end up at the at this tournament and as you said it's a, uh, as you said clinter earlier it's a converted like hangar so yeah so what's that like stepping into this you know is 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 it still this like expansive like high ceiling uh sort of area or yeah yeah it's it's they've converted a little bit like put carpet in and things like that it's not it's not a hot tin shed people call it a hot tin shed but it's not quite like that that's yeah. that's not it's doing also, it any it's also not a hotel it's no no it's not a hotel but you know um yeah so you've got this you walk in and it's nice high ceilings and it's just huge uh a huge area and there's multiple pavilions that are like that 
filled with all sorts of gamers and stuff like that. Like, it's a really cool, um, it's a really cool thing, actually. I, th- I think if just walking in on a Saturday morning when everything's sort of set up and, and there's just there's just the TOs that are go that go in first, and it's like a, this weird sort of calm before the storm feeling as it's like huge area, it's all set up, everything looks schmick, and you're just like, right, in half an hour, this is going to change a lot. Well, then, uh, <laughs> you just... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, so then do all the war games happen then, like in this the one big like stretch, you know, and you've got your like you're divvied up a little bit along the way or, or are you partitioned off? There's there's a couple of different like there's multiple rooms, there's multiple pavilions okay. Okay. that are essentially separate hangers. Okay. So, but within your area there's blocks and then there's like pathways between them and things like that. So they're not partitioned as such, but they're sort of cut off from each other by, you know, walkways and stuff like that. So that, you know, and because it's open to the public, you you know, you have people come in and walk around and have a look at your stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. A lot of vendors as well. So there's a lot of cool people who sell Mm. bits. They sell board games. Um, as Clint mentioned, it is um, uh, a very popular public event as well. So they have a lot of board games as well. So people will come in and um, you can hire board games. You can pick up board games. Lots of FLGSs are there selling, you know, very heavily discounted merchandise. Um, there's a wonderful bring and buy. So you can go in and people can sell their wares and you can pick up some amazing deals um, as well. Um, so it's, it's it's a great, great event. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's- yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, oh man, I I just this is, for me CanCon is the it's kind of like my bucket list international event for me. Um, I I can't fully put to words, so I was hoping you gentlemen could come on Rantcast and help me put it towards why I have this drive to try to make it to CanCon personally. Um, uh, can I, I, get, I can I just, can I just add one thing? Yeah, go ahead. Um, regardless if you can come to CanCon or not. A lot of what we're talking about today are shared experiences across all of the major events, whether it's South Coast GT, whether it's Blood and Glory, whether it's going to be something in France, something like the ETC. Um, Obviously, we do it in Australia better than everyone else. But if you've never been to a major tournament and you're now thinking about going to one, I would highly recommend getting out there and experiencing this yourself. Um, CanCon is the pinnacle, is number one. Um, however, everyone else runs amazing events, and you will have the same type of fun with us. Uh, and, and just answer to, to King Tristan, he asked, uh, basically, does it make New Zealand awesome? The answer is yes, because they've beaten Australia two years in a row. Oof, oof. So they are they are the reigning undefend, undisputed champions of Age of Sigma at CanCon. <laughs> and they won bloody CanCon as well. Jimmy Page won CanCon, so... Like, and they won my event, bloody hell too. Sean Bates won my event. So, like, do we even play Warhammer in Australia? If you want an easy beat, come down locally. Come <laughs> to Australia. <laughs> oh, no. Although, although, like, our Scottish friends didn't have nearly as much luck as um, our Kiwis. Right. <laughs> That's fantastic. Man. Maybe put that in the advertising, Clint. If you want an easy game of Warhammer, come to Australia. Come to CanCon. There you go. Another, another, <laughs> another bit of advertising. See, I just like the, uh, I, I like the, the camaraderie that, that is so apparent. And I think there's a lot of it in, in, in Age of Sigmar abroad just, uh, but for whatever reason, there's that like 
I don't know when when you have the 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 first event televised in CanCon this year is for a, a WWE style tag you know like belt. I that's just my jam. Yeah, <laughs> like, like we got to give chat to Joe Pagano as well and the dwellers below for making that happen. So um, you know they they did an amazing job to hype that and um, something that's common in our community that may not be com- common in others is this thing called a ground a round one grudge. Um, or as uh, as Joel McGrath from uh, Measured Gaming would say, it's a play date. There's no real grudge. There's re- no real beef. There's no real salt. It's just two people who haven't played each other for a while or maybe from different regions setting up that first game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, thanks for clean allowing us to do that. Um, but also it was great to see people just throw themselves in and um, a- and really hype that match up. Yeah. Yeah, Clint, uh, yeah. so... Oh, go ahead. You... I was just about to say that the Joe Randy matchup that wasn't taken to eleven, that was taken to thirty-five. <laughs> like it was just ridiculous, but it was also great as well. Like yeah. to see them get their walk-ins and all that sort of stuff. Like it just added a, so much spectacle to the event. So yeah, yeah. So 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 New Zealand whooped Australia's ass, and America uh, came down there and and whooped some ass too. So it's just like you said, it is easy beats. Like it's just. Uh, look, if you don't <laughs> grudge Randy and then claim that you're better than the rest of Australia, you're just like, that's like challenging me to a running race and then saying you're faster than everyone else in Australia. Like, yeah. Give, give two things a battle tone and then we'll reconsider okay. the, the matchup. Sorry, Randy is awesome and he gets better every event he plays. But we'll agree, he's no, he's no five-game you know, wonder. So, <laughs> I mean, he's on Tomb. He was on Tomb Kings, right? Like he was actually on. Yeah, on, he, he doesn't play anything else. Mixed, mixed death. Yeah. Mixed um, death. Not like that death. Tristan guy who 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 is flaky with Tomb Kings. Yeah, he defected to Cities of Sigmar. Yeah, what um. a flake. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, it, it just real quick. Um, so so you're actually going to be bringing a little bit of the uh, the Australian heat up to the Midwest. Uh, uh, this year, coach, uh, I'd care to I am. Yeah. <laughs> What's it to my hype? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm coming to Midwest meltdown. So, um, I'll be coming down and I'll be, uh, round one grudging, uh, Wasoran, um, a friend of the channel, an awesome human. Um, and we're going to have a good game. It's his, uh, it's his first, uh, tournament. So, uh, it's on you to show him, uh, he, he's, he's been in chat gang as long as anybody else, um, a strong supporter of, 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 of my show and, and some others out there. Um, and we all talk about how great Age of Sigmar tournaments are. The pressure is on you, coach, to to show him listen, what we're listen, all about, I think. Listen, last year <laughs> I got beaten by a 13-year-old girl, girl at CanCon. Um, uh, I'm sure Warsaw is going to have a wonderful event. <laughs> it wasn't... <laughs> all right awesome clint you look like you're holding on to, to something there nothing just that it's so good <laughs> well actually that, that actually that, that that probably brings up something as well is that um we do have uh, a 13 year old girl now a 14 year old girl um who's played cancon two years in a row as well so um her father plays in the event um uh his her, her mother um plays blood bowl and things like that but um to have not only females playing at the tournament and there were a whole bunch of females playing but also having a child um 
is fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, it's so cool that one, the dad can trust all of us to hang out with his daughter for, for two days in a row, but two, that she can walk away, have an amazing experience. And then she came to my event, Sydney GT. She comes to other events. She's really grown from her experience back of last year. So if a 13 year old girl can come and have a wonderful time, uh, it just kind of shows the events that, that, that Clint is running. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that that's a good, um, I think something we should be aspiring to as, as like ambassadors of the game is to is to help build some diversity because it's not just for like old old neckbeards like myself. Uh, you know, I think a lot of I think that Age of Sigmar, is, just like Dungeons and Dragons, we, we kind of saw. I think Dungeons and Dragons had its like uh, big period of like growth onto like more of a, a like a little bit of a larger stage uh, through Stranger Things, which we made Stranger Things jokes at the onset of the show and. Uh, and uh, critical role. I think Age of Sigmar is is primed. I don't think we'll ever will ever be you know this massive undertaking. But I think that there's there's some some popular appeal to our to our game that could that could that could bring in uh, you know a little bit more of a, a diverse crowd to a, a like a safe space. Uh, quite frankly, mm. I mean, I use gaming to escape um, a lot of reality, right? And I think that that's pretty appealing. My daughter's already showing. Uh, as much, if not more, interest in in Age of Sigmar than my son is. Uh, you know, she she'll pick up my models. Uh, she started stashing them now, so she'll. I, I got to be careful of like leaving stuff like this up on my shelf uh, because she'll come in, she'll grab it, and she'll put it in her backpack. <laughs> so and then go hide it downstairs. Um, so yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I will say on the diversity front, um, you know, we, we we do have a good representation. Uh, question is um potentially encouraging and how do we bring more from the painting to the gaming but at a local level from a, a hobby perspective we have uh in my opinion wonderful engagement and that will just continue to grow over time yeah not a whole lot of gatekeepers in age of sigmar when it gets right down to it um i think that that's kind of born from to to bring it back uh you know clint early on when you were championing the game so hard just saying hey come play the right you know come play the game with us right it wasn't mm. It wasn't this big, like, oh, no, no, but you can't come play with us, 12-year-old girl. <laughs> you know, like, it was no, everyone no, can play with everyone. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Every year, I think we have uh, more and more female players at CanCon. Um, and, you know, one of our Masters level players, Gemma, from the Failed Charge, you know, one of she's attended two Masters and been invited to three. Like, they're not, like, they're female gamers are an integral part of our scene yeah. and it, there are more and more every every year more and more every month and it's really great and i think you don't some scenes don't have that as much mm -hmm. um but it's it's good to see that it's on the on the switch around and mm -hmm. it's growing and right. I, i'm happy that australia is i don't want to say leading the way but like we're at the forefront of that with with trying to make sure that we're accepted. You know, we're encouraging every, yeah. we're encouraging everybody to come play, and we're very inclusive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so can, can, can I just add one more thing to that? Absolutely. Um, Clint, Clint Clint does a wonderful job as well. I feel like half the time I'm here talking about Clint and how amazing he is, because um, it, it is true. Um, go one on. of the cool things that he does <laughs> go is um, uh, go on, mate. You click click this, save this will be the last time. Um, but one of the really cool things that Clint does with um, 
uh, with CanCon is he runs this um, this narrative bingo where basically there's a whole bunch of about 20 objectives that you can achieve, and much like a bingo scorecard, that, you know, um, that even if you're not there to win CanCon uh, and you're not there to crush face, you've got some wonderful hobby awards to achieve that um, have some wonderful prizes and trophies associated to as well as narrative things that allow you to explore your games and takes the pressure off just winning and losing. There really is something for everyone. And um, I know there's a lot of people that come to the event just to get five or six games of Warhammer and to explore things like the narrative, um, you know, from cosplaying all the way down to, to different and random wonderful narrative pieces. That's awesome. So it's an actual like a bingo card in your pack. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And you cross them off, and if you yeah, if you get five in a row, you pop it into a box and you can win stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Simple things like um, you know allowing people to to go back and, and do something they've forgotten, or uh, doing you know three damage on a on a an arcane bolt. Um, you know things that are quite easy to achieve, and there are different pathways to doing it. But again, it just kind of shows you there is something for everyone at this event. It's not just about who can crush the, the highest amount of face. Yep. Talking in character for a game, I, I'm I'm sad that I don't get to see people do that because it, it would just be great, you know, people pretending to be an orc for their entire game. Like I want to see that. I want to see those gamers because that's I, I, you know, that's people having fun, like with their Warhammer, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. I wore pantaloons but all, all weekend. I had two different sets yeah. of pants, <laughs> and I'm still in therapy about that. So like. <laughs> Because it was just pantaloons and nothing else. That was the problem. No. Nah. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, real quick then, is there any uh, any last digital soapbox moment, whether it's about CanCon or Age of Sigmar in general, uh, either of you'd like to hop on here before we close it out? Do you have something that you've just been just needing to yell at the world, uh, Clint? I, I have my own podcast to do that from, so I, yeah, but basically, if you're thinking about coming to CanCon next year, definitely do that. Um, it will be on the 23rd and 24th of January, mm-hmm. so book your flights now, um, and if you're coming from overseas, shoot me a message, because we will make sure there is a spot for you. Right. Are you um, going to make it 300? No, I have already promised my wife that it will not grow this year. So our max is two forty. Oh, all right. Are you going to make it two forty? Then are you going to you going to hit all two forty? Look, if so, we sold two hundred forty tickets and we had a wait list and we worked our way through the wait list and then by the time that we got to the day, it was you know we dropped below that. So you know, if we hit two two forty next year, maybe then I'll think about making it three hundred. 300. So you heard it here. He's got to hit 240. If you hit 240 next year, will you wear the pantaloons? Nobody needs that. <laughs> uh, sure. Keep, keep, keep this up, but I'm going to dress like a marauder. <laughs> With like the fur and just <laughs> like, a, like a fur kini, you know? <laughs> Too early in the day to be thinking like that. Fair um. <laughs> Uh, so yeah you got a point yeah come to cancon that's my point that's the point all right especially you especially you especially me all right look so i started 
I started a Patreon, everyone. If you want to make me go to CanCon, go do that. Uh, there you go. I've helped. Now we're, we've helped each other out. Um, yep. Go do the Patreon thing for Mr. Mephisto. Uh, Coach, man, you got a, you got a digital soapbox moment here. I see your... Uh, I know you got your own show, too. Uh, look, look, but but uh, some you, things I, you might that might not be safe to say as as AOS coach maybe just as as Mr. Magro here on Rantcast. Um, I I would my my encouragement to everyone here be um being that Australia is like the content creator capital of the world. It's true story. Um, there is so many great people who have gone out there and have put their own spin and their own feedback on CanCon. Um, the Honest Wargamer did an interview with um, the person who lost on stream um, for the winner of the game. So uh, James Page beat uh, Simon Hall, um, who was running ha uh, Hammer Hall. So he did a wonderful, wonderful interview with Simon um, that I'd highly recommend checking out. Um, I would give shout outs to, you know, myself. I interviewed the winner, James Page. Uh, I'm sure the likes of the uh, Heralds of War, um, the Failed Charge, um, Measured Gaming. Um, there are so many wonderful content creators out there. I'm sure Notorious um, are, are going to put their own spin on this, so I'd highly recommend checking out people's own perceptions and experiences of this wonderful event. Um, right. And if CanCon doesn't work for you, I run an event in October called Sydney GT. So this year it's called Where the Wild Things Are. I'm just saying if people want to come and they can't come in January. See, October, I, I just, I, I mean, not to throw shade at you, Clint, this is, uh, you know, this is the CanCon recap, but October's my favorite month, like, in, in the whole year. And uh, January... Not, not because it, of Magro's event, though, like... No, but, but like... Halloween and stuff. Halloween, uh, my anniversary, uh, it's always been a, been a time of year where, like, things are dying and it's fucking metal. Uh, because I play death. Uh, so, so I've always loved like, like October, but man, like I, like, it's it, like, ah, like it's, it's, it's hard for me to, to, to like CanCon or Sydney GT. Like, I, I would, I would escape the snow in and come to CanCon. Yeah. Look, you want to, you want to come to Australia for its beaches. You want to come to its food. You want to come for, uh, the, the, the nightlife. Um, so, so January, which was when CanCon on, is definitely um, worth the trip. So I'd highly recommend everyone comes. Look at this um, humility. You're allowed to, to be a villain. <laughs> I've been a villain the whole episode. I've been the villain the whole yeah, Correct. Liam is my villain. Yeah. Uh, shout yeah. out to Liam. Yeah, the villain, right? Oh, man. I love him. No, so uh, so uh, back to you, Clint. If people want to like uh, actually get in contact you, with you for CanCon or they want to listen to you, to you Spitfire on your own show... Uh, where where can they do where can they they do these things? Uh, on Twitter at Heralds of War. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page there. Or heraldsofwar dot com has all of the stuff up from this year's CanCon. Um, so if people are interested in lists or the pack or whatever, well, the stuff we've talked about, it'll be up there for a little while yet. So yeah, but just getting in touch with me on Twitter is probably the easiest way. Right on, right on. And uh, coach, man, if they wanna, they wanna talk to you about about. Uh, I'm about... on, I'm on Twitter, Anthony Magro uh, channel. I have a Twitter channel, uh, Twitter channel. Of course, I have a Twitter channel. I have a um, a podcast. I have a Facebook page. If you type in AOS Coach, you will find me. Um, so, 
and, and, and we did like the, the data shows, we did the stat show uh, of emerging meta as well as the actual meta itself in CanCon. Uh, and a bit of a, a bit of a hot take for your show, Mef, is that as of next month in um, uh, the uh, emerging meta series, um, I have been able to get some regional data as well. So I'll be able to see potentially any trends that are happening uh, in the different countries as well. So wow. I'm looking forward to exploring that. So big shout out to um, AOS Reminders Davis um, for continually listening to my my rants and, uh, and, and and making this happen. Yeah, Davis Ford, his, his uh, not to not to self honk here, but Davis Ford's episode on Rantcast was pretty fantastic. He he could basically have run Rantcast without me. Uh, he he was really very knowledgeable, really knew what he wanted to talk about and stuff like that. So he's a really cool guy. Uh, after you get done listening to this episode of Rantcast, go back and find that one with Davis Ford. Uh, listen to that. That's some good stuff. Uh, and it's great that he's he's been helping you with the with the of the meta because as I've said before, a lot of data tends to be reactive that we use in in the Age of Sigmar community. Um, yours is sort of preemptive or 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 like active. It's 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 predictive analytics. It's right. all about this is what people are creating with their lists. This is what they're practicing at home in their basements at their games club. If you are attending a a tournament or if you want to do really well. You want to understand what people are building around so that you can start to ask those questions. And even if you can't get experiences because you don't have a local Zench player playing change host right now, you can at least ask yourself the question, how would I handle an army that is going to generate benefits by casting spells, has the ability to move around the board, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going to better prepare yourself mentally, physically, so you don't have a bad time. And that's really what this is all about. It's about having a good time with Age of Sigmar and and using data as intel yeah yeah it's i mean it's just it's just helping you fill in that picture right um and you know that's kind of what we do as content creators um all right guys um i'm gonna let you get out here early because i know you have a whole day ahead of you um for you and i'm uh, winding up my evening here uh you're in the future after all how's the future looking are we still good very wet Sorry. <laughs> I mean, Australia, uh, at least on the east coast where I am, it's raining nonstop for about ten days. So I had to build a little brick barricade to stop water coming into my. So it's not Australia's not on fire anymore. It's now flooding. Um, this is what it's like yeah. living in the land of Gur. Uh, yeah. Monsters <laughs> and spiders and yeah. Clint, Clint's been battling a whole bunch of spiders in his uh, in his garage. I'm I'm dealing with Noah's arcs and a flood that's coming. Um, yeah, my backyard was flooding yesterday. Even though we are like te- we're about ten hours drive apart, it's just raining from one like whole half of the country, and then the other half of the country is dealing with a cyclone at the moment. So up the top, which is crazy, considering a month ago it was all on fire. Yeah. Keeps you so, on your toes. Keeps you on your toes. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, Australia, yeah. please come. Please come. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, but you're coming to the, the, the right times, right? I mean, that, that was something I, I kind of wanted to ask in the show, and I guess we already started to kind of sign out here, but real quick while I've got you both still. That's all right. Um, gaming, uh, running CanCon sort of in the midst of a, of a, a basically a national disaster with the, with the fires. Um, how did that, like, how did that complicate matters, or what challenges did you face uh, as, a, as, a, as a TO and a player? Uh, it, the area where CanCon is was not under threat from fire, um, which was a good thing. But there were large parts of the eastern side of the country that were fire affected that um, 
made it unsafe for some people to travel. There were some drops who said, look, I don't want to have to deal with that. Mm. Uh, there was a smoke hazard in Canberra. Like Canberra was, it looked like Silent Hill for a couple of weeks before CanCon. That is both so awesome were, because I love Silent Hill and terrifying because it's reality and not a video game. Yeah, um, and it was smoke rather than fog. So, um, like, that was a concern as well. And some people expressed their concerns. Some people expressed their concerns in a positive, like, in a constructive way. Uh, and others just alarmist and caused nuisance. But, um, yeah. Uh, so that was a thing, and we weren't sure, but the, the convention organizers had said, look, where we are is fine. It's not going to, you know, like, um, it's in a safe area of Canberra as far as fire is concerned. They had hired industrial air cleaners to deal with any smoke. Like, they, they had taken steps to make sure that it was going to be okay. Um, and what actually happened was that the smoke over Canberra sort of cleared for that week, of CanCon and that weekend, um, and then uh, and then after we left was when the fire came, like sort of uh, started to threaten parts of like the opposite side of Canberra where we were. So um, we we lucked out and we got really good conditions, uh, but it was a concern for people, and um, you know, and I I understand it was a concern. And I'm not brushing off anyone who was concerned about smoke or whatever, but um, yeah. It was, it was like, very interesting because I was up here stressing about am I going to lose half my field because A, they can't drive to the event because roads are cut off. B, will they not want to go and play in smoke, which I understand completely. Like it was like, is this going to be a half full CanCon because people just don't want to do it? And I, yeah. and I would have understood completely like, yeah. yeah. But and uh, I, and I hope, it I, I, worked out. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we, we got lucky, but there were some people where it was really dodgy where um, you know, some people got their flights postponed or cancelled and it looked like they weren't going to come until the end of the event on the Sunday. Um, we we had a lot of luck that that happened, so we're very fortunate um, for that. Um, but the challenge is, is that um, going to CanCon for about 90 to 95% of the field is significant travel. It is long drives. It is expensive flights. Um, there's not a lot of the the local community in Canberra isn't making up a lot of the field, so I can I can fully appreciate and and I can see where people just don't know the unknown, right? They see smoke, they see the media, uh, but it was wonderful um, for us, and we were very fortunate at the time. Yeah, you got lucky. Yeah, it's, I mean, and that's the thing is like, I mean, it, that's a lot to to like a like I said, sort of a national crisis here. Uh, and we're trying to play a game with like tiny plastic men, right? Like, and it it can be be hard. And so you have to kind of, as a TO and and as as you know, the content creator, um, you have to kind of mi mitigate some expectations or, or 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 help in a way that your pack can't, right? At that point, like you you have to actually be be a voice mm. of, of reason through through the smoke uh, to to be a little uh, uh, on the on the nose there. No, but, but, you know, Clint, Clint um, was very uh, forthright with his information, always updating us, um, was in constant contact with the event organizers. And, you know, they spoke about getting big uh, commercial air purifiers. Um, you know, the, 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 the event was doing the best that they could to run this event. So, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. like credit that's, to those guys as well. That's pretty much it. Like if they kept 
out the TOs up to date, and then it was on the TOs to make sure that the that the players had that information as soon as they had it. Mm-hmm. Like I was giving it to, I was trying to give it to, like give that information to my players within minutes of me getting it. You know, because it's important that people feel updated and they feel like they know what's going on. Right. Um, and and that, I think. Yeah. How, how were you communicating that? Was it just uh, you know tweeting at you know constantly? Uh, fa- uh, Facebook generally because um, yeah. we had a Facebook event for the thing and and um, trying to provide the updates that way. Um, yeah, right on, right yep. on. Cool. Well, I'm 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 happy it worked out. Um, it looked. I mean, just from all my like sort of my my view of social media, some of the coverage, uh, some of the some of the. Uh, coverage i was able to to watch there um it looked like people had a blast it looked like it was a smashing success in the face of 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 a natural disaster um people still managed to have a great time play a game they love with with people they love and i I think that's the real success here Um, do yourself a favor and jump onto twitter or instagram search up the hashtag for cancon um you'll see some amazing hobby and also, uh, the other day, the Honest Wargamer and Vince Venturella put out a video, um, and they did a bit of a showcase with the top top ten or top fourteen um, coolest army, best painted. So they did a little in, you know in depth video as well, which uh, is regardless if I was there or not, uh, is an awesome video I'd highly check out. There's some beautiful armies on the table, and even more beautiful armies that missed out on that nomination. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Oh, cool. All right, guys, any, any last words? Any parting words for our guests as I switch to the closeout here? Officially, no? No, no we're cool. No. Very Thank you for allowing us to be on the shortest rant you've ever made. I, You know, I went back-to-back this week, essentially. Uh, I wanted to give people... This This is the cherry on top of an already great rant cast, uh, 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 you know, Sunday, I think. So, see, because it's Sunday in the future. Um, but... I'll have to have you both on and talk more more of a ranty subject than just recapping recapping LBO. Oh, let me do another one with like a rant about Clint, a rant about t- the Clint's events. Yeah, yeah. I'll and let you on. Not want that. Right, right. I did you say to... recapping LBO? I me- I no. said LBO. I meant Cancun. Yeah. Hopefully, I didn't say LBO. <laughs> um, I can talk for hours about LBO. <laughs> I, just, I just make it up. <laughs>